Good morning. So glad you're here this morning. Beth stole a bunch of people because they're they're honoring all those people that helped with the with help with Faith Kids. Um, and it does take a lot of people. It amazes me how many people it takes to actually um, do that ministry. But it's a very vital part of any church, a very vital part of this church especially. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open to Isaiah 51. We're going to spend a, a couple weeks in this chapter. I sat down, and usually when I write a, ver- a sermon, I try to write for the whole chapter. And as I'm reading this, and I'm going through and I'm studying it, I'm like, there's no way I can fit this unless we want to be here for two hours. And I don't think anybody wants to listen to me for two full hours. So just uh, understand we're going to get, we're going to get through about half of it today. Um, but, you know, as, as followers of Christ, you and I, we've been given a mandate. We've been given a job to do. And I don't know about you, but when, when I was first getting uh, working, when I first got my first job, and my father obviously spoke into my life as he took me out to the interview, he says, if you get this job, you do everything they tell you to do. And, and whenever they need you to work, you work. I don't care. We'll get you here somehow. You make sure that you are always here when they need you. So that's kind of the work ethic that I have. And we, 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 so what happens is God, Jesus has given us a task to complete by the time he comes back. And when I was working, you know, I worked in a bookstore, and, and the, the manager would say, okay, here's what you got to do today, and you need to have this done today. So I knew by the end of the day I had all these things to do on top of taking care of customers and so forth, but I knew I had to rearrange this section, I had to straighten this section. And, but God, Jesus has given us a mandate. He's told us what we need to do before he returns. And this comes, we find this in Matthew 28. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, he's talking to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has all the authority. My my employer, the boss, the manager, she had all the authority to run that store the way she seemed fit, according to corporate guidelines. Where did Jesus get that authority? He got it from God the Father. All authority has been given to Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is not a new verse for us. We've all heard this. If you haven't heard this before, either you weren't listening or or you weren't here when we said it. This is a pivotal verse for us as believers. So we are now all actively out there sharing the gospel with everyone that we run into. No, we're not. We're not. And to be honest with you, the part of the problem is that we have an enemy who does not want us to begin to even think about completing this task. What happens is the evil one will wrap our hands in chains. Chains of fear. Chains of distractions. Well, you know, I, I want to go I want to go share the gospel. I want to I tell this person, but you know what? We, we were talking about other things, and I just, it didn't come up. Well, I'm, I'm afraid of what my coworkers are going to say about me if they find out that, you know, oh, you're one of those Jesus people. We're chained. We're stopped. 
But we got to remember that the word of God is like this double-edged sword. It's sharp on both sides, so it cuts both ways. And that sword is able to cut through the chains of the evil one and his attempt to, to harness our and keep our hearts from doing what they're supposed to do. And what we're going to see today in Isaiah 51 is that these verses are meant to, to kind of release us from the fear that happens in our lives. To release us from the doubt and from those distractions that keep us from honoring Christ in obedience. So let's go to Isaiah 51. It says, listen to me. Listen. Remember we talked last week about having ears and being able to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, what God is telling us, what the Word of God is telling us. Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you are were hewn, which means when you were cut from, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Ed talking about the granite they saw last week kind of reminded me of that. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. Now, Obviously, we know that originally God is speaking to those who are in captivity. Those Jews who had been taken from Jerusalem by the Babylonians, they are in captivity. And you can understand, we've talked about this over numerous weeks, we've mentioned this, the fact that you know, you're in captivity, you're in captivity for quite a long time, and you're wondering, boy, will we ever get back there to where we were? And you're remembering what happened. You're remembering why you're there. In fact, previously he tells you, remember what, what you did. It's your sins that did this. And we begin to doubt. Is it possible that God is not able to do something? Is it possible that God has abandoned us? And we think about these things today. But God is looking beyond the wrath that is to come to the people who will be suffering in this exile. They're going to be discouraged. Memories of the invasion are going to fill their minds. Harsh treatment from their captives while it's going on. You know, we live in a world that we, we, if, if people, sometimes people find out we're Christians, we're going to treat us a little differently. And I don't mean in a good way. And we think everything's lost. Especially in our world, I'm, I'm a person who keeps up on what's going on in this world, and there's, it is very easy to get depressed. But we have to remember that all is not lost. And we see in these verses, it says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Well, he's not just talking about the Jews here, because I don't know about you, but I want righteousness, and I'm seeking God. He's talking to us. He's talking to us saying, listen, listen to me. He's calling everyone throughout the generations. He's speaking to everyone who pursues righteousness by seeking him. Paul would told first Timothy, told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, let me says, But as for you, O man, flee these things. Flee all these things of the world. Flee them. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. God wants us to listen to him. He wants us to hear him. And not only just to hear what he's saying, but to actually look back at what he has done. 
I, I'm, I'm someone who says you can say whatever you want, but it's what you do that really matters. You can say that, that you love somebody, but until you show them that you love someone, that's why you truly know that you love them. That's why it, it, you've got to be careful that your words and your actions match. They have to. He wants us to look at what he's done. and We, we can't just look at our circumstances and say, oh, well, that's just the way it is. No, we've got to look and see what God has done. We need to look past the distractions of this world, all the thing, crazy things that are going on, and not listen to just our heart. We can't listen to our heart because the heart is deceitful. It's going to lie to us. It tells us to fear. It tells us everything is lost. There's no hope. Oh, there's lots of hope. There's plenty of hope if you look for it. See, when we, when we get trapped in that there's no hope, it's lost, God has abandoned me, he doesn't love me, and, you know, poor, poor me, that poor me attitude, that's nothing more than the chains of the evil one wrapping themselves around us and just tightening us and tightening its grip upon us. But we need to look back at what God has done. So what has he done? Well, here in Isaiah, he tells us to look back at Abraham and Sarah. God took an old man and an old woman who were well past the age of having children. It just, even then, it didn't happen normally. They have been childless their whole marriage. And what does he do? He tells them, I'm going to bless you. Now, you can understand, if, if they, they believe God, believe me, they believed it was going to happen, and they get excited about it, I'm sure, but it doesn't happen right away. So what happens? They begin to doubt. And they begin to take things into their own hands. That's why we have the problems in the Middle East we have today because of what Sarah did with Hagar, her servant. Because Ishmael became the father of 12 tribes too. Not to mention all, and this is something people don't realize, you know, Ishmael was born first, so he was truly the firstborn. But then... Isaac was born, and then after that, Abraham had other children. He had other concubines, wives, and so forth. He had a lot of other children. So there's a lot of issues going on here. But because of what God was going to do, and God being faithful, God created a, began a great nation within Abraham. When he gave him Isaac, God promised that he would be the father of many nations, and God fulfilled that promise. God always does keep his promises. And he did the impossible. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's great, Pastor, but I'm not Jewish. So how can I look back at Abraham and Sarah as my mother and father? Well, I beg to disagree. You are Jewish. Because Paul tells us in Galatians 3, he says, know that, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Ah, so you and I, in faith in Christ, are now Israelites. We are now sons and daughters of Abraham. We've been grafted in. So we can look back and see what God has done for Abraham and Sarah and say we can trust God. Because he did that for our parents, our, for our spiritual forefather and foremother, 
See, the Jewish nation is created by supernatural means. A couple who didn't have any children, gave up hope to having children, were used by God, promised by God, and became the parents of many nations, including us. See, if it weren't for this miracle that God did, there would be no Jewish nation. There would be no Christians. This is what God did for us. So those in exile, God is saying, you think that God can't redeem you? You think that God can't reach you? And today we might be thinking, God can't fix this. God can't, I don't understand what he's doing. He can't take care of this. He doesn't love, I mean, all these things that, that Satan whispers into our ears, into our spirits and tells us to think that are, that are false. Because we have a God who did miraculous things. Not just once, not just in six days a long time ago, but throughout history. He's done amazing things. And if you really think about it, in your life, he has done some amazing things. God can get us through the trials of this world even with everything that's going on. And believe me, if you don't follow what's going on, there's a lot happening in this world, and it's happening quick. Speeding up as it goes along. Look at Abraham and Sarah. You look at Abraham and Sarah, and you tell God that what he, that's impossible for him to do anything. All things are possible with God. And look what it says in verse 3. It says, For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. Zion, the city of Jerusalem. Whenever you see the word Zion in Scripture, that's the city of Jerusalem. This is where God dwells. This is where God had his, the temple was, of God was. And there was a veil and there was the inner sanctum which had the Ark of the Covenant and that's where God's presence was. He dwelt with his people. And that place will one day bloom again. You look at it today. You look, go, look online and find pictures of Jerusalem today. There are some trees, but it's awful brown. Awful sand colored. It's not exactly a blooming garden. Now, the, the, the Jews have done amazing things. I'll, I'll be honest with you. They've done some amazing work on re-beautifying that area. Because it was at once time, and it was just beautiful. But even with all the work that they've done, one day that whole area is going to be destroyed. In God's wrath, he will destroy that city. But the beauty of it is that God's going to take that destroyed city, all that rubble, and he's going to make it into a garden. We can visualize this image of a desert blooming into a beautiful garden. The sounds of celebration are one day going to be sung in Jerusalem again. Now, granted, I, I'm sure that when some, and, and believe me, all the Israelites did not come back from Babylon. But when many of them did, if you want to read about a little bit about that, you can read Ezra and Nehemiah. I mean, it was a difficult time for them to rebuild. But I'm sure they celebrated. But that's nothing compared to what's going to happen when Christ comes back. 
There's going to be joyous singing in the city. Today, Jerusalem, and you'll see this picture, the Jerusalem is split. This is, the, um, this is actually the old city. The city actually is grown out around that whole part there. This is the old city. It's split up into four things, four, four different districts. The Muslim, the Christian, the Armenian, and the Jewish quarter. And then you have the, 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 the mount where the Dome of the Rock and the Aska Mosque is where the temple was, which is actually currently controlled by the Muslims. It's a place of constant tension, divided. But see, one day it's going to be united. It's going to be united under the Messiah as king. The streets will be filled with men and women singing joyously. It's going to be filled with children running and playing and just laughing. No longer will there be the fear of terrorism, of death. What today seems impossible will one day be true. And while all the, like I say, all the Jewish exiles did not return, much greater will be the day when God calls all the children of Abraham, both Jew and Gentile, from every tribe, language, and tongue, to return to the new Jerusalem to live forever. So God's salvation, in order for this to happen, God's salvation is going out. Look at verse 4 of Isaiah 51. It says, give attention to me, my people. Again, listen to me and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out for me and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. We've talked about the light going out. This is more of that. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. When he says peoples, he doesn't just mean the Jewish people, he means all people. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and they will dwell in it, though they that dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed this is this is very gospel language the light to the peoples the gospel of jesus christ going out like a light into the darkness opening people's hearts that are dark that are being oppressed by the darkness opening it up to the light the righteousness of yahweh is the gospel of jesus christ Paul writes in Romans 1, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Understand, no matter what we do, the righteousness of God is moving. The question is, how fast is it moving? And are we helping it move? So I started with the mandate we are given. We are to be helping it move. His righteousness is coming quickly. Now I know, you know, you know when, when, when God went to Moses, or to Moses, to Abraham, it was a long time after that. We went to Abraham and Sarah and said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a child. He's going to be you're, you're going to be the father of great nations." And and it's a and it doesn't happen. It it doesn't happen. I'm sure they're thinking, "Why isn't this happening? He's taking too long." Don't you? Don't have we all thought that? You know, God's just taking way too long. This is taking too long, God. 
But in reality, if you look at it from an eternal perspective, from God's perspective, who sits outside of time, it's really happening pretty quick. Righteousness is happening quickly, and it's happening just right according to plan. See, even when we feel it's not coming fast enough, and we can't find hope, we have to remember what Peter says in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient toward you. Thank goodness. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We, we think, why is God tarrying? Why is it taking so long? My goodness, it's been what? In reality, this year it's been 2,000 years. If Jesus was probably 32 or 33, or actually it would have been not quite yet. 2030 will be 2,000 years. They believe he was born in 3 BC, and so, yeah, about 2030 will be 2,000 years since Jesus was here. Why hasn't he come back yet? What's going on? Well, Peter tells us he's he's slow. He's not slow to keep his promise. He's trying to make it so as many people will believe that are going to. He's given everybody a chance, and he's given us a chance to be part of that. All people, all of creation, even to the furthest, remotest islands. Wait and hope for the arm of God to set them free from the pain of sin and death. They wait. They're waiting for someone to bring them the gospel. Sometimes those that are not even very far are waiting. Our neighbors, our friends, our family. They're waiting to hear the gospel. They know there's something else out there. We just haven't told them yet. We need to tell them. And then let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. The righteousness of God is moving. It's coming quickly. In other parts of Isaiah, we see the prediction of the success of the gospel. In Isaiah 49.6, it says, he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant. This is when he's talking to Christ, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserve of Israel. God says, it's, it's not enough. It's too light of a thing. It's not that big of a deal for you to go and to save the Jews. No, you're going to go and you're going to save the world. It says, I will make you as a light for the nations, and the salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And now in verse 5 of Isaiah 51, it says, My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlines hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment. And they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. He's saying that, look, you look at the sky and you look at the earth and you know, I mean, things die on the earth. I'm a gardener. I love to plant. I wish I could plant year-round. I can't because of the environment that we live in. I have herbs that I bring in outside. Of all of the four herbs that I brought in from outside, one survived. All the others died. That's life. That's the way it happens. And guess what? This earth is dying. It was never, ever since the fall, it was never going to last forever. It's dying. And you and I are dying. But don't be dismayed. Because the righteousness of God, the salvation of God lasts forever. Our hope that we have does not rest in this world. 
Sometimes I think I put way too much hope in this world. But our hope needs to be in the salvation that's found in Christ that will lead us to the new heaven and the new earth where things will last forever. But see, in order for the new earth and the new heaven and new earth to be experienced, the old has to pass away. It has to go. And until that day, we need to persevere as we pursue righteousness. Understand, with the beginning of these verses, Jesus says, or God says, to those who pursue righteousness, that doesn't mean you do it once and you're done. No, you are cons- consistently, constantly pursuing righteousness every day of your life. You have to constantly pursue it because if you don't, the evil one will come in and misdirect you. You have to be diligent. And we need to fulfill the mandate that God has given us. Verse 7 of Isaiah 51. Listen to me again. Listen. You who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law, fear... Remember, it's interesting that he says that because remember he says, I will write my words upon your heart that you... I, that, you know, I will write the words of the Lord upon my heart that I might not sin against God. Okay? The law is written on our hearts. We know what we're supposed to do. Nobody's, nobody has any excuse. The people in whose heart is my law, fear not the reproach of men. Don't worry about what they say about you, nor to be dismayed by their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. We must not fear what other people are going to say to us in this world. We cannot fear what they are going to think about us. Those who taunt us those who persecute us for our faith. We have to stand strong and remember Jesus' words in Matthew 5. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This isn't the first time we've had to deal with persecution as believers. They persecuted the prophets because they didn't like the words of God that were coming to them. Don't be concerned. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be surprised when you are persecuted for your faith. It's time for us to awake and pray that God will do what he did in the past. Because it says in verse 9, Awake! Awake! Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake! Awake! We have been asleep. We have been asleep way too long. Hey, I love taking a nap. I haven't gotten enough of them in my life so far. I need to take more. But sometimes we better be awake. We have to be awake to what's going on. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Where does our strength come from? It doesn't come because I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and I am got there and I'm ready to fight. No, my strength comes from God and from God alone. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? 
Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? And the ransom, I'm not going to skip over this, we're going to come back and talk about it. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What we see in here is we see these flashes of Exodus. We see these flashes of God getting the Egyptians out of Egypt, which seemed like something totally impossible. They had been enslaved for years. They had been enslaved so long that Pharaoh at the time did not even remember who Joseph was. Joseph, who had been second to Pharaoh. That's how long it had been. But what we see as impossible, God can do. Isaiah uses this, this, this picture of Rahab. And he's not talking about Rahab from Jericho. He's talking about, because this is before that happened. This is, he's talking about, well, it's after that happened, but Rahab actually is, he's talking about the, what's considered a sea monster. A beast, a creature, a monster. Usually that what would happen is, uh, in, in Scripture, a lot of times you find places where he talks about Rahab. Rahab is a, a sign of chaos. Rahab was thought to, to dwell in the waters because the sea was someplace that was unknown. So whenever there was a storm, well, Rahab's, you know, stirring up trouble. You guys all have things in your past. I'm sure whenever there was a thunderstorm, what did your parents say sometimes when you were little kids? Devil, the, Satan, uh, the angels are bowling. Right? I got one for you. The devil's beating his wife. That's terrible. Terrible. It's awful. But that's what we were told. Rahab is this idea of chaos. And what happens? Who's in charge of chaos? Who can overpower chaos? God. And he does. There's also, you must understand that it was also a lot of old stories and a lot of other pagan religions about the gods over that taking the beast and cutting the beast up, and that's how the worlds are formed. And Isaiah is saying, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Marduk. It wasn't Baal. It wasn't Ra. It wasn't all these other gods. It was Yahweh. Yahweh is the one who overcomes chaos. Nobody else. There's this evil that's oppressing us. And it's probably more hideous than we can ever imagine. See, in, in our Western mindset, we struggle with this idea of the supernatural. We're told to just ignore it. The church has has actually sugar-coated what we call the unseen realm. There are things out there that they don't want us to know. I was here, and I think this is so true. The greatest, the, the, the most, the greatest thing that Satan ever did was to try to convince people that he doesn't exist. Why is it the greatest? Because if he doesn't exist, if you think he doesn't exist, then you don't worry about him. He gets to do whatever he wants. But if you know he exists, he exists, you can fight him by the power of Christ. But many fail to see the, the intent of the, and the tyrannies that we experience in our world today and that they, they don't see the source of it. What goes on in Washington, D.C., and I don't care who's in office, because I understand both sides do very evil things. We always pick on the one who's in there right now, but there's, they all do. 
The source of that is the evil one. He's alive and well in our halls of government. And he's using them to create chaos. He wants nothing more than for us to ignore him as he works through those who are perishing. But we have to remember that he is defeated. He was defeated at the cross. He's done. The the war has been won. The battles are just being fought. At the end, Jesus will destroy all of our spiritual enemies. And there's more than just one, by the way. Yes, there is Satan, which is really not, that's a whole other thing. That's his his title, but that's not what his name is. We call him Satan, but Hasatan, the accuser. But there's more than that out there. In the end, Jesus takes care of all of them. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells them in, 15, in verse, uh, chapter 15, he says, then, then comes the end. After all this goes through, all these things are happening, the end comes. And when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Remember, I've told this before. I think I told you a couple weeks ago. Anytime you see Paul say rulers, authorities, he's not talking about human rulers. He's talking about the rulers in the spiritual realm. You know, our, 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 our battle is not against flesh and blood. We're going to get to that verse here in a second. So until that time comes, we have to be alert. We have to be, we have to be pursuing righteousness and be equipped to do battle. Paul tells us, finally, in Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is, this is how we, we don't get depressed. This is how we, we don't succumb to the, the desire to, to give it in and to be, to be sorrowful and to be, be doubtful of God. By putting on the full armor of God. So we can stand against the devil's schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So anytime he uses that idea of rulers and authorities, he's talking about those in the heavenly places, the unseen realm, the Manai Elohim, the sons of God, the fallen Angels, you can call them. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Don't just put the helmet of salvation on. You know. Don't just put the breastplate of righteousness on. Put it all on. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which is what we're living in now. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Are we? If we do this and we fulfill our mandate, we're doing what God wants us to do. But it's not all about just going to battle all the time. Sometimes we need to have comfort. We need to be com- we need to take a nap every once in a while. But we can't sleep all the time, and we need to be awake. But there's hope because 
Our comfort does not come from ourselves. It comes from somebody much greater. Verse 12, I, I am he who comforts you. It's God who comforts us. Who are you that you are afraid of men who, men who dies? Why, why are you afraid of men? They're nothing. Of the Son of Man who is, who is made like grass. He's not talking about Christ there. He's talking about men. They're like grass. They wither. They die. We mow them. The Son of Man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your Maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you fear continuing continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? Like you're worrying about all these people, all these things in this world. Don't worry about them. He's not saying just ignore them and be Pollyanna. Oh, everything's just so perfect. And smile all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying put on the full armor of God. Be ready for battle. But don't let it discourage you. Don't be afraid of what's going on in this world. Don't be afraid of those who persecute. Don't be afraid of the evil one. He has no power over us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He no, has no power over us. I, I like to listen to different podcasts, and I came across a podcast. The guy was saying some things I thought was interesting, so I started listening to him until he says that, well, you know, he, Christians could be possessed. I'm like, wrong. Boop. Don't listen to you anymore. We can't. Because in, in order for that to happen, the strong man who's living in us has to be thrown out. Who can throw out the Holy Spirit? Everybody should be saying, no one. You know, we can't be possessed. Satan has no power over us. Anything that does happen to us that he does is because God is allowing it. And why is he allowing it? Because he's good. And we're going to come through it. He wants us to rely on him. It's going to be fine. God is challenging us to trust him. Who, you know, we're the ones who are to pursue righteousness. Don't fear human opposition. And we're going to face human opposition because of our faith. We've been very lucky in this country, especially we've been very lucky in the Midwest. Go out to the coast, you're going to have some more issues. But in the Midwest, we don't really have to worry too much about persecution right now. But it's coming. The opposition may come from the world and may even come from your own family. Remember what Jesus said. He says, I didn't come to bring peace. I, I come to bring a sword. I came to bring, you know, you're going to have father against son and son against father and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter against mother. And there's going to be conflict, brother against sister. I'll be, I'll be brutally honest with you. I have a brother and he and I don't see it eye about Christianity. There's conflict. I don't see him very often. But when I feel I have to, I bring, I've been there have been many times, I brought it up. I brought it up right before my dad died. I brought it up to him. He's not living the life he's supposed to. It's conflict. But if I didn't love him, I wouldn't bring it up. We must fear God more than we fear man. This is not to minimize 
Those who have given so much to the point of death for their faith that have been persecuted in the past. And those that currently today are being persecuted are missionaries. It's not to belittle anything that they're doing. In fact, let's lift them up. Man, they're living it every day. We're lucky. We don't have to live it every day. But what amazes me is they're being persecuted. They're spreading the gospel. And while we're not being persecuted, we're not spreading the gospel. Let that sink in for a moment. We must pray to have courage that those who are being persecuted have shown to fear God more than they fear those who oppose us. So what do we do? What do we do today? We, we, we have to look past the actions that are going on in our lives now. And we need to look to the past actions that God has done. God has been faithful. He's never broken a promise. He's carried us through. He's carried nations through. He has a plan. It's going to happen. We need to be praying that the great arm of God to be released in the spread of the gospel. We need to be praying every day that the gospel would spread. And this, this to me sounds kind of selfish, but understand that the gospel, Christ isn't going to come back until the gospel reaches every nation, tribe, and tongue. Until everybody has an opportunity to say yes or no. So guess what? You, do you think you and I have the ability to make the Christ come back? Yeah. By spreading the gospel. We need to do it. We need to do it. Be prepared for the days ahead. And I'm not talking about building a bunker in the backyard, because if we, if I was talking about that, we'd have a bunker here at the church. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not about hoarding food, though being prepared is not a bad thing. I'll be honest with you. But it's be being prepared spiritually for battle that's ahead of us by putting on the full armor of God, by studying the Word of God, by praying constantly. You know, it's very likely that many of us are going to lose on the physical battlefield. Very likely. But our victory is secured on the spiritual battlefield. So do not fear what people can do. Don't fear the one that can hurt the body. But be a bold witness for Christ. I want to end here with Philippians 1.6. Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion when? At the day of Jesus Christ. We can't just sit back and say, well, God's done with me. No, we are to continue to strive, to pursue righteousness, to seek holiness, to seek God until Christ comes back. The question is, are we willing to do it? Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video as it will help in spreading this message into the global online community. Please consider subscribing to our page so that you will receive notices when we post new messages. If you're watching this on Rumble, please hit the Rumble button for this video so that the gospel can be spread into the Rumble community. Also, consider subscribing to our Rumble channel. You can also listen to our podcast on Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. We hope you have a blessed day.